God, would you fill us with the knowledge of your will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding, that we may live a life worthy of you, Lord, and please you in every way, to the glory of Christ the King. Amen. Please, would you sit? Now, it would help if you would all find Colossians 1, uh, page 11823. And while you're doing that, a quick question. How many of you watched the 50th anniversary episode of Doctor Who last night? Okay, thank you very much. And now, how many of you watched the very first Doctor Who episode? Way! So, if you really want a first-hand account of what that was like, you know who to ask in coffee and over coffee and tea after the service. Well, enough of Doctor Who. Today, the last Sunday before Advent, we celebrate Christ the King. And we're thinking, what is so special about Christ? That's what today's passage unfolds before us, the multifaceted glories of the one who many of us call Saviour and King. Paul, it seems, just cannot contain his wonder when he invites us to gaze upon Christ. Just glance with me down the verses from verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God. Verse 16, by him... All things were created by him and for him. Verse 17, he is before all things. In him, all things hold together. And verse 18, and he is the head and he is the beginning. So that in everything, he might have the supremacy. Verse after verse emphasizes not only what Jesus Christ is, but that all other things are in some way subject to him. Jesus Christ is in a league all of his own. No other leader, no religious figure, no political ruler, no one comes anywhere near. Now, what is remarkable about this passage is that it was written only some 30 years after the death of Jesus, the man from Nazareth. And here, he is exalted with the status of God above everything in all creation. So where do such astonishing claims come from? Oh, I've turned two sheets. Well, they're rooted in the eyewitness experience of the disciples and also of Paul that Jesus is not in fact dead, but he is wonderfully alive. They saw him, they knew him, they experienced that Jesus had conquered death, and by raising him from the dead, God has vindicated all that Jesus claimed about himself. So what is so special about Christ Jesus? As I unpack some of the truths here, you might like to imagine Paul holding up a crown and turning it so that different jewels catch the light and all the jewels together reflect the glory of Christ. So first jewel, verse 15, he is the image of the invisible God. 
The word for image is icon, which was used of the portrait of Caesar found on Roman coins. So in other words, Christ is a true likeness which we can see of the invisible God whom we cannot see. Christ is God with a human face. So in the words Jesus spoke, we hear the words of God. In the miracles Jesus performed, we see the mighty acts of God. In the love Jesus showed, we encounter the love of God. We cannot say, because we cannot see God, it's impossible to know what God is like. Christ has made him known. I remember going on my first silent retreat and confiding somewhat anxiously to a friend that there would be none of the normal distractions to hide behind. It would be just me and God. And what would happen if I didn't actually like God when I met him? What surprised me was what I actually got. A revelation of Jesus as my lover, walking alongside, knowing me and loving me intimately. And in doing so, showing me the God who loves me like that is the God I can trust. Do you want to know God more? Well, you could try a retreat. Or you could savor a portion of the life of Christ in the Gospels on a daily basis and ask him to reveal to you God personally. What is so special about Christ? Second jewel. God made everything through Christ, by Christ, and for Christ. Verse 16. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created by him and for him. Now, when it says at the end of verse 15, Christ is the firstborn over all creation, it clearly does not mean Christ was the first being to be created. That would make no sense, verse 16, for Christ to have created everything. Rather, it means he is first in rank over all creation, and he is heir To it all, as the firstborn son was the father's heir. Christ has always existed and pre-exists all that is. And then at a particular time in history, the creator entered his creation in the form of the man, Jesus, the Nazarene. So just to be clear, Jesus was his human name. Yeshua in Hebrew, which has the meaning the Lord saves. Christ, in Hebrew Messiah, is the role he came to fulfill. And it's also one of his many titles as the eternal Son of God. 
here Paul says, everything you see with your eyes and everything you cannot see exists because of Christ. Well, practice saying that as you look at the people and you look at the world around you tomorrow. Everything exists because of Christ. You are alive because of Christ. You and I and everyone without exception, whether they know it or not, have been created for Christ. Now, living for Christ is not meant to be for the religious few. It's what we were made for as human beings. Our mission statement, if you like, is to please, love, and serve Christ. Now, that should transform how I view my life on a daily basis. If my life has been made for me, gifted to me, and the maker's instructions tell me that its purpose is that I live for Christ, then that is how it is best lived. Hence Paul's prayer that I too prayed, verse 10, that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way. But not only individuals have been created for Christ, all forms of rule and authority have too. All are under him, subject to him, and in the end will bow the knee before him. Now that's not always easy to remember in the face of some human institutions which seem to be anything but Christ-like in their approach, where money seems king and human needs are readily sacrificed. But this week I had the privilege of praying for a friend who faced bullying from senior managers and needed to hold fast a safe course in the pressure, in the face of pressures to compromise. Well, at one point in a critical meeting, my friend saw the senior manager about to say something against her proposal and then, to my friend's surprise, didn't. I believe that that was Christ stepping in to assert his character and his authority over that situation. And what is true of human rulers is also true of invisible spiritual powers. All are subject to Christ. Such existence and power they possess is entirely dependent on Christ the Lord. And so need hold no fear for us who live under the sovereignty of Christ. What is so special about Christ Jesus? Verse 17. In Christ, all things hold together. Christ is the one whose power sustains this world and has sustained all that exists since its distant origins. All things from the vast cosmic scale down to the tiniest microscopic one. And without Christ, everything would collapse. Now that is a vast truth and my mind struggles to grasp it. But if Christ has power sufficient to sustain a universe, it would be very strange if he did not have sufficient power to meet 
all our needs too. As individuals and as a church, he is to be trusted. It is equally true, as I found in my experience, that in Christ all the otherwise fragmented parts of my life hold together. And he alone can bring harmony into my being. And insofar as I allow him, free me from what distracts and entangles and leads me off course. What is so special about Christ Jesus? Verse 18, Christ is the head of the body, the church. Actually, no one belongs to the true church unless Christ has brought them into it. For the church is made up, verse 13, of those who have been rescued from the dominion of darkness and brought into the kingdom of Christ, God's Son. We, the church, have had our sins forgiven in Christ. We have been given new life from the dead. For Christ, verse 18, is the firstborn from among the dead. He was the one who first came back to life, and we, the redeemed, are those who follow in his resurrection train. Now, just as no physical body can function or grow unless it's attached to its head, so the church, local and universal, is totally dependent on Christ for the continuance of its life. Christ needs to be at the center of all the church's decisions, all the church's vision, all the church's various ministries. Christ needs to be the focus of our conversation. Christ needs to be honored in everything if the church is to thrive. Unless Christ and the message of his cross is at the center, we will never grow in the knowledge of God, nor will we see more people rescued from sin and death. The church belongs to Christ. It's his by right And we need to be very careful of language like, this is my church, and this is the kind of church I like. Christ is the head of the church, and he will do what he wants to do with his body. What is so special about Christ Jesus, verse 19, in Christ the fullness of God is pleased to dwell. It is an essential part of the Christian message that when God became incarnate in Jesus, he was both fully and completely man and fully and completely God. In Christ, all the fullness of God lives in bodily form. A totally unique person who had a totally unique role to fulfill Verse 20, so that through him, through Christ, God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things. Now we note there was nothing reluctant about God's salvation plan. He was well pleased, he was delighted to be in Christ, reconciling the world, you and me, and anyone who will accept it to himself. It was not his last resort 
as it were. It was the way God chose for himself. So who are we to say there should be other ways to approach God? I am the way, says Christ. No one comes to the Father but by me. And when God raised Jesus from the dead, he endorsed those words to be true. What is so special about Christ Jesus? Verse 20, it is through Christ's blood that God makes peace between us and him. Without Christ, verse 21, we like the Colossians were alienated from God and enemies in our minds because of our evil behavior. Not a nice description, but it is God's verdict on the whole human race. Between us and God is an unbridgeable gulf. We are like opposing sides in a war zone, in a state of continual conflict. We were in the dominion of darkness and we needed rescuing. Now, you cannot be reconciled to God unless you first come to realize that you are a hopeless case, that you can do absolutely nothing to rescue yourself. Only then might you be willing to learn that God has taken the initiative and already done through Christ what is necessary to save us. Verse 20, through him, God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Reconciliation between us and God was achieved at the cross, where Jesus shed his blood on your behalf and on mine. On the cross, God took upon himself in Christ's physical body that sin which stood as the barrier between himself and all creatures. The worst sin could do was to kill. And by dying in our place, Jesus exhausted sin's power, and now sin's curse has lost its grip on me. But the scope of Christ's reconciliation is far bigger still. All things in heaven on earth were alienated and one day will be transformed into a new heaven and earth. Jesus the mediator spread his arms wide upon the cross and reaches, as it were, across the divide to join God and all that he has made. Now, the world as a whole remains unaware of this reconciliation. But those of us who have come to know Christ, we can talk, we can testify to the peace which has come into our hearts and to the relief of sins forgiven. This is the Christian gospel. This has come to us through the preaching of Christ and him crucified. And we, dear friends, must continue to hold fast this gospel. I believe the church as a whole needs to rediscover the preaching of the cross of Christ if she is to rediscover the good news she has to share and her power, and if Christ is to receive the glory which is his due. It's all 
about Christ. I, you, everyone, owe my life to him as my creator. I, you, everyone, owe my life to him as my sin-bearer and as my redeemer. May I never forget him. May I always honor him. May I begin each day with him, and may I end my life with him. For he is Christ the King, and no one else comes anywhere near. Let's pray. In the silence, I would just like you to imagine Christ the King in front of you. Don't worry about trying to picture him. Just be aware of his presence. And I'm just going to ask you to listen to him and see if he has anything to say to you in the light of what we've heard. Maybe he'll say, come closer. Maybe he'll show you things that are between you and him that you need now to deal with. Maybe he'll say, have you forgotten me? Listen to his voice. How will you respond? Lord Jesus, it's all about you. May you be revealed in my life and in your church for your glory. Amen.